Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a, a rough 24 hours, uh, to say the mm-hmm. least. I mean, uh, I think the news of of Kobe's untimely death and unfortunately his daughter and and then you know I, I think we should also because it's not getting mentioned enough but, but another father and, and I think son or daughter were also uh, aboard that helicopter crash as well and uh, you know I, I live in Los Angeles if I haven't made that clear to, on this podcast uh, and I know this whole town is just in shock and I know this is not football talk but I mean this is something that seemingly kind of is seeping into everybody's mind today. So uh, mm-hmm. it's a little bit somber over here. Uh, but, you know, we're still here. Uh, we're going to talk some Cowboys football to try to make, make take it off of everyone's mind. Yeah, we're going to talk football here in a second, I promise. We'll, we'll make sure we get to that. Um, but I just wanted to share a few quick thoughts on uh, the Kobe news. Um, I, I really wish I had something profound to say, but I don't. Um, so I'm just going to kind of share why this hurts so much for me and for so many other people uh, around the world. But uh, many of you know this, but I'm a big NBA NBA fan, uh, but even more so a big Laker fan. Uh, Most of my family and my extended family, uh, they all have different football allegiances. Most of them are the Steelers or the Browns just because of the proximity. Uh, But the one thing that we do have in common is we're all Laker fans, uh, and that's it's been since my entire life that way. My grandparents started watching the Lakers uh, in the late 60s and early 70s, um, and I think that's what makes it so tough. Uh, Kobe was drafted when I was six years old, so I spent yeah I spent most of my life uh, watching him every night. And for an East Coast kid like me, uh, that wasn't always the easiest thing to do, considering most of the Laker games started. Uh, after my supposed bedtime. So, you know, you always had to stay up really late to watch these games, but I think that's what made Kobe special was uh, I had to stay up to watch the games because it was like watching yeah. uh, just a thriller movie every night, right? He was an entertainer uh, who made you stay up until the, the very last second of the game because you never knew uh, what heroics he might pull off. Um, I can't even tell you how much sleep I lost over the years watching Kobe. Uh, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, I remember during the playoffs, uh, my family, we'd all get together. We'd have 40 of us in a house, uh, and we'd watch all the playoff games. And I can remember going out at halftime in my driveway, uh, and my cousins and I would practice some of the shots that Kobe <laughs> made over the years. And we would, it would be 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and we'd have our car lights on. And we'd be out there shooting baskets, you know, trying to replicate Kobe. Kobe! We all, yeah, we all had our Kobe jerseys on. I have only ever had one NBA jersey. It's a Kobe one. Uh, it's, I mean, all through high school, all of us wore number eight or number 24 just because we wanted to be like him. Uh, a lot of my favorite sports memories aren't actually involving the Cowboys. They involve the Lakers. It involves Kobe. You know, making big shots against the Celtics in the playoffs or his 81 point game or his, uh, 60-point game to finish his career. So um, I've only ever went to one NBA game, and it was to see Kobe. So 
Uh, I don't know what else to say, Landon. Uh, this sucks. I can't yeah. imagine how the people close to Kobe are feeling. Uh, it's just so incredibly sad. Uh, we want to send our thoughts and prayers to Vanessa Bryant and her family. Uh, and that's, that's all I have to say about it. It's just, it's just such a, such a tough time to be a sports fan. Uh, I know a lot of fathers out there are, you know, they're really relating to this because, you know, Kobe lost his daughter. The yeah. family lost their daughter as well. Um, it's just a really tough time to be a, a sports fan. Yeah, and look, I mean, that's 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 the the kind of message that I've been hearing from a ton of different people all throughout the the last 24 hours. I was not a Lakers fan. I'm not was not necessarily a Kobe fan. I don't want to like, uh, you know, posthumously kind of put that on on me like I was a fan. I, I it's not that I wasn't a fan. It's just I'm a non a no non NBA fan. But sure. I, I will say, as some Kobe was 41 years old when he died, and I'm I'm 40, and so Kobe and I are basically the same age. Uh, he's been in the NBA and been in the spotlight since he was 18, so basically when I was 18. So uh, he's been a part of, you know, public consciousness for my entire adulthood. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'll just comment real quick on on the parenting side. I have to say, as as a a, a father of a daughter. The, the news about him losing his daughter too uh, was uh, was crushing in a way that's hard to describe and uh, I'm sure that anyone who has a daughter and has you know family members that that they care about they take care of everyone's hugging their family members a lot closer today because it happens that quick even when you're a, a, a multi-millionaire and, and you're on top of the world uh, tragedy can strike at any time so it's it's never a it's never a bad time to, to squeeze a loved one and, and tell them you care about them so uh, We'll miss him, and I, I know, you know, he he left a uh, indelible mark on all athletes. Absolutely, I mean, I Absolutely. think that's that's yeah. the one thing you keep hearing yeah. about football players coming out is they taught him how to compete. You know, I mean, there's no one more competitive or who worked harder than Kobe, and I think uh, someone said it best. He was like the natural extension of, of Michael Jordan. It was like seeing Michael Jordan in a new generation, and uh, and, and to, to watch it end so tragically is terrible. So. That's all I've got. Uh, no. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good way to, to, to end that segment. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about uh, the Senior Bowl wrapping up in Mobile, Alabama. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach since they're chewable. They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guys who want extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships them direct, so they're cheaper than even a pharmacy would have. Right now, we have a special offer offer for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code NFL. Just pay $5 of shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code NFL to try it for free. All right, Landon, we did a, a review of some of the practices on Thursday's show of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Just kind of talking about some of the guys that have impressed us. Uh, they had, again, they had Thursday's practice. Uh, they had the Senior Bowl game. You can't take a lot away from that game. 
Um, but yeah. I, I do have some just general thoughts after watching these practices. Uh, I was able, I was fortunate enough to be able to watch, uh, all the cutups and, um, I, I just want to go through a couple of things really quickly. And I want to start with the wide receivers. Um, there was a bunch of them that were impressive over the entire week. Denzel Mims from Baylor. Uh, you had Colin Johnson from Texas, Van Jefferson from Florida. Uh, and while I don't necessarily have one takeaway for a certain guy, I think the big takeaway here is there's going to be so much value in this draft where if you don't pick a receiver in the second, you know, first or second round, that's okay. You're going to be able to find quality receivers in this draft in the fourth, fifth round. And given all the needs the Cowboys have on the defensive side of the ball, that actually works out well. It would not be that surprising to me to see the Cowboys grab somebody in the fourth, fifth round to maybe potentially be a, uh, you know, a, a replacement for Randall Cobb. Uh, we saw maybe some of those guys on display in Mobile, but, uh, you know, there's 25 receivers who could get drafted in the top, you know, 150 picks, and that's absolutely incredible to me. Is there any one guy that stood out to you, uh, at the wide receiver position? Not just one. I mean, that was the thing I kept on going back to. Uh, I, you know, I tended to kind of take a liking to, uh, Duvernay. Is yeah. It, is that Devin the UT Duvernay wide receiver? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, speed, power. Uh, he's got a kind of a, a unique, you know, body type we talked about. He's sort of built like a running back. Say, yeah. He's got that thick lower body. Yep. Yeah. I, but I, I, I don't know. I really like, I really like, uh, the idea of him operating out of the slot and kind of this offense. I think he could have some value there. He was, he caught some nice passes on some big downs, uh, in the game. I thought was really good, uh, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, you know, I tend to concur that the wide receiver class, the, the story here is not so much, you know, Mims or, 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 uh, uh Pittman uh, even or Van Johnson or, yeah, I mean, any of those guys. I think yeah. they're all, uh, Pittman, yeah, I think, I mean, they're all, I think the news is all of them. There's so many of them, and they're all good. And, and uh, yeah, I think obviously there's there's a spectrum of it. There are guys that are better than others, but I think the truth here is that uh, uh, you can get a guy that you're going to be happy with. Clearly, you know, end of day two, maybe even in day three. You know, and I think I think that's that's the news here. Okay, I've got a couple questions about that because we're starting to see every year in the NFL coming into the NFL that these wide receiver positions are deep. Partly because we have so many teams running the spread offense, uh, you know, you're getting guys that you know some schools have two or three draftable receiver prospects. Alabama alone has four that will probably go in the first round over the next two years. Is that something that you start planning for now, knowing how deep wide receiver is? Like, do you not sign anybody else besides your number one receiver and just continually try to, you know, flip the bottom of your roster, just you know, wide receivers two through five? Um, is that something that you, you, you're thinking about? I mean, I think that, you know, there's always a market inefficiency to react to somebody else's ex- exposure of a market inefficiency, right? So as soon as somebody turns around and starts doing, uh, that, you know, and then everybody starts doing that and they just keep their number one wide receivers and, uh, I just wonder if it's going to be like the running back position where there's just so well, much but, replaceability. And not that they're well, saying it's not say. valuable, right? But there's just so much talent at the position. That's what I was about to say is that I think ultimately at the end of the day, somebody's going to find the market inefficiency of all of these t- talented, now very cheap wide receiver twos that are on the market because everyone's going to be trying to, you know, draft in the, to go through the draft to get their wide receivers. Uh, and they'll take, they'll take advantage of that. So, yes, I do think that this, 
eventually is, and I think it has started to shake up the value at, at the position. If we're talking, you know, cross multiple seasons, I think that if you look at the uh, evolution of of seven on seven camps yeah, and, absolutely. and, and yep. all that, I mean, I think these kids are coming into college way, 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 way more advanced than they were 10, 15 years ago. Uh, and then that means that they're just learning techniques all throughout the process in college and then coming in into co- out of college a, a lot more refined in, 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 in certain areas. You know, in some areas, they're still not learning how to get off press technique very, a lot. You know, I, I, like I, that, but, say, I would add, though, that NFL offensive coordinators are starting to do a better job of not yes. asking these guys to do as much, right? Yeah, just yeah. You know, Debo Samuel is a great example in San Francisco. The, the 49ers have limited what he does on the field. They just try to get him the ball in the open field, and you're, you're seeing him make a bunch of plays, and maybe he's part of the reason why that team has been so good this year. Yeah, totally. And I, I think, like I said, I, uh, uh, I think that you know, there's value now in some of these early, you know, some of these rookie wide receivers to the team immediately that I don't think you were getting you know, even five and six years ago, I think you, there was times when you would draft a wide receiver and then maybe you have him do kind of, if he's like a speed guy, you have him run some nine sure. routes or whatever. I mean, but now I think these guys are coming out polished in a way that is, uh, you know, immediately usable. Uh, and, and I mean, you still kind of have to, you can't just throw them out there like they're a vet wide receiver. They, you know, they still may not be able to run option routes or change their, their routes on the fly. But I think if you could put them out there in you know a lot less uh, restricted situations than you had previously, like uh, even a decade ago, and I think it makes these young wide receivers more valuable, and I think it makes them more dangerous to vet wide receivers who are trying to keep their jobs. Just think of like Michael Gallup, right? He's a third-round yeah. pick from Colorado State. Uh, just had an 1,100-yard year in his second season despite having knee surgery you know, midway through it. And it's not even talked about all that much. Like, it's not yeah. something that's super shocking. I think that's how much re- the, the receiver position has changed. Uh, and we're still hoping that he can, you know, make a couple leaps. Um, it's just something interesting that we need to monitor going forward. Uh, a couple more guys' positions that I wanted to mention. Uh, Neville Gallimore, the defensive tackle from Oklahoma. Uh, he yeah. was fantastic all week. I thought he was great in the game, too. He had a couple pressures where, I mean, he just, he abused some of those centers there. Uh, yep. If you're looking for somebody who, I, I mean, I'm not exactly sure where he's going to go, but it would not shock me if he slips into the top, you know, the first round, maybe the top 25. That's just the guy that I can see, uh, you know, making some big plays. Another one really quickly, Kyle Duggar uh, from Lenore Ryan. He was really yep. good in the game. Uh, I think he is a legit, what, day two safety uh, and if the Cowboys decide to go elsewhere in the first round and not take a Grant Delput or Xavier McKinney, that's somebody we absolutely have to keep an eye on, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we talked about him throughout the week as being a, a kind of a, a potential. You can't decide, we couldn't decide if he was a tweener or if if, if he is uh, versatile. I don't care. Uh, you just yeah, put him on my yeah, team. I, mean, I, I think as long as you can find a spot that he can use his skill set, yeah, I think that that he's going to be uh, he could be a valuable piece and, and be a great value for somebody as well. Um, I, you know, I think that for me, one of the things that was interesting, and may, you know, maybe the position is not so much uh, uh, an interest to the Cowboys, but but the kind of fallout from the position is interesting. I, I thought that the quarterbacks had a really interesting day. I did too. Uh, I on, agree. On Saturday, I, I think Jordan Love and both and Herbert both looked outstanding. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I thought like at least enough that Herbert to me is a top fifteen pick, right? Yeah, like, easy. Top 10 pick, easy. right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think Love is going to make his way. Uh, up those boards as well. And, and, and even Shea Patterson, who I don't think is a quarterback, goes in there and at least threw a touchdown almost right away before yeah. throwing throwing a wide, an interception, which, by the way, Vidor from Georgia State, the guy that yeah. made that interception, yeah. great snag, yeah. man. It was really a great snag. But I just wanted to point out that I thought that the wide, the quarterbacks had a really great day, and, and I think that is really helpful for the Cowboys because, at the very least, it's pushing down more prospects to them at 17. I would be shocked if Jordan Love is not picked ahead of the Cowboys. Uh, Herbert will be. There's no doubt in my mind. Herbert yeah, there's no top, doubt. Yeah, Probably top seven, eight pick. Um, I'm starting to think Love is going to be one of those guys that goes probably in the early teens, mid-teens. Uh, you know, you got a lot of quarter or a lot of teams ahead of Dallas that could be looking for a franchise quarterback. Uh, I think, you know, the Colts, uh, I think they sit at number 11. Uh, that's a team that could, you know, very, very easily draft a quarterback. I kind of think Justin Herbert makes a lot of sense there. Uh, Jordan Love, maybe the Chargers who are looking for a quarterback, maybe some teams behind Dallas looking to trade up. Uh, so I think you're right. That's a good call saying that those quarterbacks have big days. A um, couple more guys just really quickly. Adam Troutman, the tight end yeah. from Dayton. Uh, we talk about tight end as a potential need for the Cowboys here. Not in the first round because we don't see a first-round tight end. But maybe in the second round. Um, so, I, yeah, go ahead. I gotta say, Bryant. I, you know, look, this yeah. kid from FAU. Like, I didn't see, and I only got to watch at least very intently the first half, and then kind of peruse the second half. But I saw Bryant on multiple different occasions executing excellent blocking. Yeah. Like, I mean, like that was something that I wasn't really even sure was part of his game, but like from the H-back position, executing an excellent arc block out to a linebacker, going into the hole like as a lead blocker through a fullback, that that was uh, you know, I was that was a little bit surprising considering, you know, what what we had kind of seen from him previously. Uh I I I I I thought the tight end play in this game in general was surprisingly good. Yeah, we're going to have to do a show here in the next you know week or two on some of these top tight ends because I do feel like sitting at 51, that might be the sweet spot for a tight end in this draft just because uh, of Troutman, of that Harrison Bryant, uh, of Hunter Bryant from Washington, and then my favorite, Cole Komet from Notre Dame. Uh, would Komet, not yeah. be surprising if that's, you know, that's the spot where you want to grab a tight end. Uh, just really quickly on Troutman, uh, he came into the Senior Bowl as a relatively unknown smaller school player. Uh, he looked like an absolute superstar. He was bullying some yep. of those defensive backs. Uh, has kind of shades of Dallas Goddard to his game. Uh, somebody that we definitely need to investigate uh, going forward. A uh, couple more guys really quickly. John Uchi from Michigan. Man, yeah. The Cowboys are looking to get more versatile and faster on defense. Uh, that's, a, that's a fun chess piece right there because, man, in that game – uh, he was beating those tackles around the edge. I, I know those tackles weren't very good. But, man, he has a lot of speed. He's somebody that I'm super intrigued by. Uh, anything else from the Senior Bowl that caught your eye before we move on? Uh, you mentioned uh, – you, did you mention Uche or did you mention Anai? Uche from Michigan. I, yeah, we need to mention Anai. <laughs> yeah. That guy from Utah, I'll tell you what. This is a guy who – you know, everyone every time they do this game – uh, uh, you know, that there's always a guy who doesn't get mentioned in practice very much, uh, and then shows up big time in this game. And you mentioned it. Like, the offensive tackles in this game weren't great. 
but I think Bradley and I has some of the most advanced hands I've I seen. I would agree, yes. Uh, coming into this senior bowl as a, a pass rusher. I mean, that cross chop he executed looked like Demarcus Lawrence, mm-hmm. man. I, I, that was really well done. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I was really super impressed with Bradley and I, and I, that definitely am going to go back and have to watch him a little bit more because, uh, he looked very well refined, uh, for a guy that is, you know, I mean, Utah is a, is a, is a big program, but it's, it's not, you know, SEC, it's, it's 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 surprising to see how developed some of these guys are. Those Utah players, I'll tell you oh, what, yeah. are, are that, that's a good, that's a good crew. It was, a, it was that Utah team was a lot of fun to watch this year. Um, yeah. I know we're really early in our draft study, but I've been trying to look at some of the guys that have been mentioned around pick seventeen. I haven't fallen in love with any of the edge rushers, but if you want to wait to day two to grab you know a defensive end or a three four outside linebacker or just an edge player in general. There's a lot of talent there. Not everybody is perfect. Every one of these guys has, seems like they have one flaw. Um, but man, there's there, there's going to be a lot of guys in that you know picks 50 to 75 range that we're going to have to study. So uh, that's going to be fun over the next couple of months to sort that all out. Um, let's take one more break and we'll come back and we'll finish up with mock draft Monday. All right, Landon, it's another mock draft Monday. Uh, this time it's from our friends at Draft Network, and this is one. This draft is from Trevor. Uh, at pick 17, he gives the Cowboys free safety Grant Delpit. This is the third week in the ro- in a row the Cowboys have been mocked Grant Delpit. Uh, we've talked about him a lot in this show, but I actually want to take this discussion in a different direction. Um, on I believe it was Wednesday's show, we talked about the the different strengths and weaknesses of free agency. And we saw that there's a lot of talent at defensive tackle, not so much at safety. Is this potentially the perfect match for the Cowboys of, you know, the best combination of player and need, uh, going with Delpit and then maybe trying to address defensive tackle and free agency? Is that the most realistic scenario that we have here on January 27th? I mean, I think that's the reason that, that, that they keep mocking it this way, at least. Um, you know, I, I, I think when, you know, when John was here on Friday, uh, we had a conversation very similar to the one that you and I had had about looking at the way to attack the offseason through you know, looking at what was going to be available, hopefully, uh, in the uh, free agent market. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we kind of came to the same conclusion just looking at it that that defensive tackle group seems to be very well stocked in, in the free agent market. Uh, and if that's the case, that then, uh, you know, that kind of eliminating, but you know, having the option to, to go through defense attack, go get defense tackle free agency really kind of frees you up to draft uh, a best player available. I think that for the Cowboys, if they want a topper free safety type, they probably are going to have to pull the trigger on Delpit at seventeen. Probably if. If they if they're looking for another type of safety, just another just more talent at the safety position, maybe they can wait a little bit later. Maybe that you can truly draft best player available at seventeen. I totally understand the thought process of these people that are doing these thought these mock drafts because you know I mean it's really crazy early. You don't have any of the information yet. You don't even have free agency yet. So you're kind of trying to match you know player that is worth that spot to. Uh, play a uh, team that has a, a similar need to sure. that. So Delpit, Delpit to the Cowboys, it just makes a ton of sense well, right now. I was going to say, doing this. I was going to say, I have a pretty good feeling that 
that's probably going to be the best player on the board, right? I mean, you never know for sure. But Grant Delpit and Xavier McKinney, both those guys, I think it's very likely they're at least at the very tippy top of the board, right? So that's why uh, I think you're seeing them mock so frequently. Um, yeah. Really quickly on defensive tackle, uh, how how big of a move would the Cowboys have to make at that position to have you feeling okay about it entering the draft? Like if they just bring in a Danny Shelton uh, to compete with an Antoine Woods and then, you know, maybe they keep Tyrone Crawford uh, as a part-time inside player with Tristan Hill. Is that enough? Or do you think the Cowboys need to do more at that position before going into the draft? I think it's tough to know at this point because, I mean, I think it's – you're still kind of trying to feel out what is going to happen at the – like what the, what's going to be asked of the position. But I would say that you need a, you need a free agent player, I think. You, you need – I would think you need a, a free agent guy. You need Tyron Crawford. Uh, and then you also still need uh, a guy like Tristan Hill to take a step forward. Yeah. Yep. To feel comfortable, right? And I, I think that it, even then, like, you could still go out and get a free agent one technique. You know, I, I think that's the other thing, too, is that you, you can, not all these guys are going to play, not all tackles are the same, right? Yeah. So you're yeah. going to, you're going to need a, a, a more two gap, a guy who can two gap. So they might need two. They might need two free yeah. agent defensive tackles. I, I, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's the thing is you might be able to get away with trying to run the under tackle with a lower draft pick, Tyrone Crawford and Tristan. That's kind of what I'm thinking, right? Yeah, because you're not going to be able to address all these needs in one off season, right? No, but you could get you could get a a nice you know one technique, a, a two gapping guy who maybe can play both one and three, and then you hope Tyron Crawford comes back at reduced rate. You've got Hill, and then you draft, like like I said, like a fourth or fifth round defensive tackle, sure. right? Yep. I think that that is a sound solution to figuring out what you do. You still got Joe Jackson, who you think you liked last year. You think maybe he can come back and do some things maybe inside. I, I, I think that there are some there are some paths here. To, and, I, I, again, maybe you double dip in free agency because it's so deep. Sure. Uh, but otherwise, I, I think defensive tackle is a position that, because of the availability of free agency, uh, is is not as much of a concern because I think there's a lot more solutions there. I'm also not counting out Daniel Wise, who was on the practice squad last year. Maybe yeah, making you, you know maybe making it so you don't have to draft a late round defensive tackle. Maybe he's your third uh, three technique, if that makes sense, behind Tristan Hill and then whatever guy you sign in free agency. Um, a lot of stuff still to happen. We're going to be talking about uh, all these potential free agents over the next couple of months. Uh, we'll continue to do draft coverage. Uh, we'll do your Twitter questions tomorrow. So a lot of stuff still happening in Cowboys land. Uh, we got some new coaching hires that we'll talk about later in this week. Uh, so make sure you guys are downloading the Locked on Cowboys podcast. Make sure you're subscribing. Follow Landon on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time.